TCU landed a new commitment for the 2024 class, or excuse me, the 2025 class, or wide receiver for the 2025 class. We'll break that down next. Also, TCU basketball, disappointing loss at home against Texas on Saturday. All that coming up here on Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. You are Locked on Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. We're free and available wherever it is you get your podcasts. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also find us wherever it is you listen to podcasts in its audio variety. So uh, signing day is actually the second signing day. is on Wednesday, February 7th. But barring any surprise, it seems like Jeremy Clark from Horn Frog Blitz, other people who cover TCU recruiting really closely and are plugged in, I don't think the Frogs are going to add anyone. Maybe one player, but it seems like they're pretty much done with both the high school class and the transfer class for the moment, I feel like they'll probably add a few players after spring ball, depending on what kind of attrition they have. I, I assume guys are going to leave. A few guys are going to move out, and then they'll backfill with some players. But I think the 2024 class from a high school stance is done. And so if you're following what TCU is doing now, they're offering a lot of 2026 kids. They're making offers and trying to get commitments from 2025 players. And going into the weekend, they had two commits for the 2025 class, Ty Hawkins, the quarterback down in the San Antonio area, and then Chris Jimerson, who's playing quarterback in North Crowley right now, but he's listed as an athlete. Not sure exactly what position he'll be playing at TCU, but a really special athlete and has put up some great numbers there um, in the Fort Worth area at North Crowley. And they added a player over the weekend, Chance Abels uh, from Nauman Forest in Garland. And uh, Chance had a really productive junior season. It looks like he's actually going to go the private school route this next year and play senior year at Dallas Christian. But in Almond Forest, I was watching his uh, huddle highlights from his junior year, 58 receptions, 820 yards, and nine touchdowns, um, good size at 6'3", 177 pounds. And he's currently not ranked by the recruiting services. And I know a lot of people, that's the first thing they look at. But I will say a really impressive offer list. Uh, this coming from Jeremy Clark at Horford Blitz. He had offers from Arizona State, Arkansas, Baylor, Kentucky, Oklahoma State, Tennessee, and others. So it seems like – He'll get ranked, you know, now that he's committed, I imagine he'll get ranked relatively quickly. But I think that ranking is going to be pretty high. I don't know if he'll be a high three-star player if he'll end up as a four-star. I kind of doubt he'll be a four-star right away. But um, a lot of schools believe in him. I mean, Tennessee, Oklahoma State, Arkansas, Baylor, like that's a really good list of schools that have identified that this guy's a player. And as I said, had a really productive season as a junior, found the end zone nine times, and also had over 800 yards receiving. And watching his highlights, I mean – I'm encouraged. It, it looks like he he's catching the ball with his hands. Um, you know, there was a, a highlight early in the video where he was coming in on a slant, looked like a slant pattern, and he's able to um, – he has to really extend and stretch out his arms to catch the football. He's able to do that, snag it, and then stop and change direction. Did that pretty fluidly. Um, also went up and high-pointed a football and, you know, got caught a ball in the end zone. It looked like kind of a fade pattern. Early in that video as well, um, seems to run routes well, uh, caught the ball well, and did everything you want from a, a big-time wide receiver at the high school ranks. Um, and, again, just has a, a good catch radius, catches the ball with his hands, and moved really well once he got it. And I don't know what his like, times are, like what he's clocking at speed-wise, but he ran away from some defenders 
um, in his highlight tape where he's getting separation immediately. And then once he gets the ball in the open field, he's able to get out and run. So still pretty early in the process here. Um, I think that's something the staff does well is they identify guys. And I mean, Chance obviously had, as I mentioned there, he had good offers. So it wasn't like he was just a complete unknown commodity. But I think a strength of this coaching staff is they're they're really plugged in on guys um, that, okay, maybe they don't have all the attention right now from a rankings perspective, from an offer perspective, but we feel like they have a high ceiling. They have the athletic makeup to play at this level. They're doing productive things at the high school level. We're going to go ahead and start forming a relationship. And I think Chance is one of those players that the question is going to be, you know, the, the, the challenge is going to be can you hold on to him through the process if he gets more attention throughout his senior year, whether that's from putting up numbers at, at the high school level or going to different camps in the offseason, what is it going to look like as his recruiting process continues to heat up? But nice scouting by the TCU uh, department. Good job getting him, you know, in the fold, making sure that they know they appreciate him, that they're watching him, that think that he can play, and getting him to commit. So now three commits for the 2025 class. Um, and depending on what Jimerson does, I don't know if he's going to be a DB or wide receiver, but at the moment, like all kind of playmakers, athlete type guys. And, uh, you know, starting with Hawkins at, at the quarterback spot, I think could be really beneficial for this um, class moving forward because hopefully he's a guy, especially with the skill guys on offense, that is, you know, helping them recruit and say, hey, I'm committed here. I'm ready to rock and roll. You know, I want to be the future of this program along with Haas Haney. And so let's make it happen. But a nice pickup by getting Chance Ables again, wide receiver from a nomin Forest up there in Garland. Looks like he's going to play his senior year at Dallas Christian. 6'3", 180 pounds, had a really good offer list, um, had over 800 yards receiving his junior year in high school, including nine touchdowns, and, you know, put up some impressive numbers there. TCU gets a relationship with him early in the process and able to get him in the fold for the 2025 class. Another thing that went down this weekend, um, a different type of recruiting, I guess, talking about the NFL draft now, had some guys participate at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Brandon Coleman and Amani Bailey played in the game. Amani had 10 rushes for 53 yards, also caught the ball in the backfield a few times. And I think Amani's going to have a good chance to make a roster. I don't know exactly what he's, where he's going to be drafted, what round, or if he ends up being an undrafted free agent type of guy. Um, and we'll see. You know, I, I'll be curious to see what his testing looks like, how he runs a 40 time, that type of thing, because he – He's got really good burst, and I think he's quick, and he's one of those guys that just looks fast. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but when he runs, he looks really fast. That being said, he did have a few breakaway moments last year. Like, I know, had a long touchdown run against Houston, a long touchdown run against SMU, also against Baylor late in the season where he broke away from a few tackles and was able to take it to the house. Um, but he got he got caught a few times too. Like, it seems like his, his kind of long-range speed – um, when he really stretches it out and gets in the open field, isn't fully there, but really good, um, you know, making decisions, being decisive, uh, really good burst. I was impressed last year with his ability to get tough yardage. That was my biggest question about Amani going into the season. And the short sample size, honestly, I kind of scouted him wrong because I thought he was more of a home run threat. And I felt like his his issues were going to be okay what happens on second and seven or first and 10 
when there's not much there and you just need to find a way to get two or three yards. But I think he was effective at that. Honestly, I feel like most of his touches ended up in positive yardage, which is um, a big thing for a running back. Now, many people have mentioned his vision seemed to be lacking at times. Like there were moments where it felt like there was a hole in the backside or maybe if he made a cut or if he went a different direction, there was yardage there and he would just get so caught up in trying to hit the hole hard and, and get where he needed to go that he would miss angles at times. Um, but I felt like he was a really complete backlash. He ran the ball well, catch the ball in the backfield. I think he made strides in pass protection. So I feel like he's going to make a roster. He did some good things there in the senior bowl. Uh, Brandon Coleman was effective at, at his guard spot, you know, the snaps that he got. Jared Wiley actually opted out of the game, but I know he had some good moments in practice. Um, I used to got to, I used to have the opportunity to talk to Jim Nagy from uh, – the senior bowl when I was in the radio business. And then uh, someone I worked with in radio Q who now covers the Raiders in Las Vegas um, and has covered the NFL for a long time. He always told me it's really the, like the senior bowl game. It matters, right? Like it's, it's, it matters. But honestly, a lot of times these scouts are more interested in the practices, the coaches and scouts are interested in the lead up to the game. How these guys conduct themselves in a practice setting. What are they doing? A lot of these one-on-one scenarios where, um, you know, they're going up against a receiver going up against the DB or an offensive lineman, defensive lineman going head to head. How do they handle themselves in those situations? And that was a lot of the evaluation process. And the game itself was, I mean, it was meaningful, but it was also just kind of entertainment at the end of the week a chance for everybody to get together um, and have some fun. And the practices were where a lot of the evaluations were happening. So uh, Jared seemed to have a good week. Hopefully him opting out of the game doesn't hurt him at all. But I think Jared Wiley and, and Brandon Coleman are going to get drafted for sure. I feel like Imani Bailey's going to have a good chance, depending on what he does with some of his, test, with some of his testing numbers later on in the process. Um, but some good returns and some uh, good moments for from all three of those guys in the senior bowl. And, you know, hopefully one of them can break through. I, I think Steve Avila was fantastic for the Rams this past year. Quentin Johnson obviously had a tough season. Kendra Miller seemed to find his way after um, a, a tough start to the year with a lot of injuries. Amari Di Mercado did some nice things for the Cardinals. But it's been a while since we've had a, a TCU player just burst onto the scene in the NFL. And it's not the end-all, be-all, but it would be cool for the program. Just a good vibes type of thing, good exposure, obviously good PR, uh, if any of these guys can, you know, make a splash and be sort of a surprise. I think Jared Wiley has a chance to be a good NFL tight end just with the size of his makeup. You know, I don't know why uh, he seems to go down so quickly and so easily and kind of stumbles when he's moving around. But, man, he's got the the physical gifts to be an NFL type of tight end. And we know he can catch the football. We know he can do some good things when he gets the ball in his hands. So hopefully that translates. Um, moving forward. So Chance Ables commits to TCU, the 2025 receiver, and then uh, a couple guys getting it done in the senior bowl. And again, I think the staff, part of it's a survival mechanism. You know, they, they're they not going to be in on every five-star um, that is out there and available, but they excel and they do a good job at identifying talent, finding guys early in the process, and finding ways to build relationships with them and sticking with them through the process, and that's a huge part of recruiting. So uh, Chance Abel seems to be another one of those players that they identified as a dude, and they get him uh, committed after he had a really impressive offer list from a number of Power 5 schools. When we come back, 
man, tough day for TCU basketball. Uh, the Kenrich Williams retirement ceremony spoiled by a loss to Texas. We'll talk about that next on Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day. Do you want to talk about LinkedIn jobs? Uh, perfect segue because we're talking about recruiting in that first segment. If you own a small business, you know that the toughest part and also the most critical part of your job is finding talented people to work for you. It can feel like a high stakes wager, but it doesn't have to. So many of you in 2024 are saying, man, how am I going to find quality professionals that are right for the role that I have? That's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn is the biggest name in hiring. It's not just another job board. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats, they might not have the time and resources to hire. That's why they're constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions with AI, making the process even easier and quicker. Two and a half million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. As always, Terms and conditions do apply. I don't have a great reason for this, but it feels like this is not totally true because I know that, like the student section, the TCU Barstool account, TCU Frog Army, they've they have made a concerted effort to have a great atmosphere for basketball games at Sean Meyer Arena and the growth that has happened between when I was in school a decade ago and now has been incredible. And they've done a great job. And, you know, like the Texas Tech game was a midweek game. It was hyped up, had a lot of students there. TCU won that game. But for some reason, it feels like when when the Frogs make a big effort to get people in the gym, to have a great atmosphere, to really hype up a game, they just – come out flat, and I, I don't really get why. Now, they actually got off to a really good start in this ballgame, but they ended up losing to Texas. Final score was 77-66. to 66. Uh, I know the, the TCU Barstool account had, like, horns down shirts for all the students, and I think it's great. I think it's a great idea. Team just didn't really help you out by winning the ball game, and when you lose, it, it does look kind of silly. But, hey, I'm not going to hate on people. I think it was a great idea. You know, you swing for the fences, you do these things. You want to try to build an elite atmosphere. These are the types of risks you have to take. It just doesn't look great when you end up losing the ball game, unfortunately. And as I said, though, like, team came out guns blazing. Um, looked really good. Looked like they were on the right track. They were led by, you know, eight to ten points in the first five or ten minutes of that ball game. I think led by 11 um, at one point. But then slowly, Texas – cut back into that lead, tied it up um, with about five minutes to go before halftime, and then went on a run uh, where they had an 11-point lead at the break, which was just a crazy swing in one half of basketball. Max Abram was really good um, for the Horns. He had 21 points, including a 9 nothing run at the end. Uh, Dylan DeSue had a, a really good start to that game. Um, for Texas, the big man, he only ended up, I mean, only he ended up with 15 points. A lot of those were about midway through the first half when UT went on that run. But honestly, all of that was uh, triggered. Like that run and Texas's success in this ball game was driven by their defense. 
They were able to shut TCU down at times. They forced 14 turnovers. And Rodney Terry said this after the game. And, of course, TCU had that horrible game against Iowa State where they just turned the ball over all the time. But he said, we knew, like, we scouted this team, and when we did, we felt like we had to blitz these pick-and-rolls, hedge these pick-and-rolls as much as possible, meaning, you know, when that when that screener comes up and sets that screen, they are double-teaming the guard who's coming around that screen. So both the big man um, who's, who's covering the screener and the guard who's covering the ball handler are going to converge on the guard, whether it's Avery Anderson or Jamil Ellison Jr., and try to block their vision and force them into some bad passes. There were a lot of lazy passes in the game, but at early in the ball game, like Ernest Uday would set a pick and he would roll to the rim, and and same thing with Cork. And I kept I kept yelling at the TV, and I mean at the time it wasn't a huge deal because the offense was still working pretty well, but there were guys just going straight to the rim, big men rolling straight to the rim <clears throat> with nobody really trailing them, nobody marking them. And I understand when you're getting double teamed. And, you know, one of those players that's guarding you is is a big man themselves. It's hard to see, like, what the passing angle is. It's hard to see over the top and make good passes. But, man, there were openings there, and our guards just could not make the plays that they had to. They couldn't split the double teams and get through and make plays. Um, Avery Anderson started out the game really hot, hit a couple threes, was all over the place, looked like it might be his type of game. But then he only ended up with uh, 13 points on the day. Um, Trey Tennyson had 10. He shot the ball well, but only 10 points. Emmanuel Miller had 15 points. A lot of his damage was from three-point range, though. Um, Jameer Nelson Jr. really struggled. He played 22 minutes, only three points. He was one of eight from the field. Um, Jacoby Coles looked the most confident he has in a long time. He had 10 points on five to seven shooting. But, I mean, when when Jameer's playing poorly on offense, when Emmanuel Miller doesn't have his best day, uh, Micah Peavy struggled. You just kind of go down the list. Avery Anderson started out hot, but then he was not really heard from much from a scoring perspective after that. Those are four or five of your best scores on offense, so it's tough to win when that happens. All that being said, I mean, TCU fought and scratched and clawed. They tied that game at 64. They had a chance to take the lead with about three minutes left, um, and they turned the ball over. Texas went down and scored, got a three-point play, and then Max Abrams hit a, a wild contested three over Micah Peavy. Uh, hit another three on the next possession. All of a sudden, they were up by nine points, and that was your ball game. So, tough loss. They're now five and four in conference play. The men don't have a midweek game this week. They're actually off until Saturday when they play Iowa State in Ames. But that's going to be a really tough ball game. If they would have won this game against Texas, they would have been tied for first place because Houston lost to Kansas. There's a big jumble at the top in the Big 12. Um Listen, this is a tough league, and, you know, if if you don't come out and play well, then you're going to lose, but just a disappointing effort. And the funny thing, too, is a lot of people after the loss kind of went to the same old narrative of like, all right, same old Jamie Dixon team, and, I mean, we'll see what happens. They got half a conference play left. They still got nine games on the schedule in the regular season, but if you're going to finish with 11 or 12 conference wins – which seemed obtainable after the run they went on before this Texas game. These are the types of games at home that you have to find a way to get victories in. Yeah, Texas is really good. I mean, they're a very talented team. I think Texas is better than their record. I think they're probably a top 25 team in college basketball. Um, but it's a home game where you started off hot, you started off well, and it's, it's just a game you got to find a way to close. But going back to, like, the narratives around Jamie Dixon, this team is different in that, 
the last few years, the weakness on this basketball team has been they just don't have great individual scores or didn't have great individual scores outside of Mike Miles. They struggled to half court on offense. Um, and this team struggles in the half court on offense sometimes when they're turning the ball over. But honestly, they do a good job of being efficient and getting good shots. They're a better shooting team than Jamie's had in the past. The loss on Saturday was largely about just focus and effort. I mean, lazy passes led to turnovers. They gave Texas easy points, and then they just got killed on the boards. I mean, they got out-rebounded 34-21. They let the Horns get 14 rebounds on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and sometimes they just lose focus. They just don't play good defense. They don't rebound the ball well, and that's not a hallmark. Like, that's not your typical types of issues that you see with a Jamie Dixon ball club. It's just been the case this season. Um, in those five or six-minute stretches where they struggle on defense – it's led to some big deficits. Like they trailed Oklahoma State by 19. They trailed Texas Tech by 11. Um, they trailed Baylor by 10 midway through the second half. And all those games are able to overcome that. But you can't you can't keep digging yourselves in those holes and finding ways to get out of it. Um, you know, they trailed Texas by 11 and fought back and tied the ball game. But then you have to go on another run to take the lead. And they couldn't – they didn't have one more run in them yesterday – really struggled, you know, pulling down rebounds and also struggled with turning the ball over. So tough loss against Texas, um, now five and four in conference play. Again, they'll get a little bit of a break before they play Iowa State on Saturday. The women lost to Kansas at home over the weekend. Uh, they were in that ball game, ended up losing by seven points. But just a, a tough go right now with the rotation they have or lack of rotation they have, obviously, with so many players that are out due to injury. When we come back, we'll wrap things up here on Locked on Horn Frogs. Your team every day. FanDuel still got this deal going on, and it's the perfect time to get involved with FanDuel right before the Super Bowl. What do you love about Super Bowl Sunday? Are you somebody that just watches the commercials? I bet you're not because you're listening to this podcast. You're probably locked into the game itself. Chiefs 49ers, if you go make a $5 bet at FanDuel.com slash lockdown, new customer, make a $5 bet. You can make it on the money line. Who's going to win the game? You get up to $200 in bonus bets. $200 in bonus bets with one $5 bet. Um, you can not only bet on who's going to win the game, but which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored. So many different prop bets for the Super Bowl. New customers, again, join today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets with your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. They also have an app that is super easy to use, FanDuel official betting partner of the NFL, and also a proud sponsor of the Lockdown Network. Final segment here on Lockdown Orange Rock Tour Team Every Day. I talked on Friday about how TCU was losing um, some of the coaching staff, a couple of recruiting coordinators, uh, moving on, Eron Hodges, who is going to Alabama, um, and then also lost their general manager, who was headed to Nebraska. And – at the moment, no news on who's going to replace those guys, but had a couple comments on this show. Brian Caper said, I'm worried about Sonny. Everywhere he's been, he starts fast and then comes back down to 500. We can't afford to be mediocre in this day and time. Yeah, I mean, I think this year, you know, I've said it a lot. I think this is a prove-it year for Coach Dykes, right? Like, he's he's got to be better. The team's got to be better. They have to bounce back from a 5-7 and seven season. You know, the issue at SMU, uh, you're right, Brian, like he frequently started seasons fast and then they would kind of come back down to earth as the year went on and they played the tougher competition in the American Conference. And I think a lot of that was that those teams weren't very tough and physical. I feel like in his first year, they, this 
TCU team obviously was this past year. They weren't. And so hopefully they can get back to that. Uh, but, yeah, it's a prove-it year. And, I mean, Ross Dellinger had some reporting. Um, he's a college football writer for Sports Illustrated. The SEC and the Big Ten are working together um, as decisions are being made about the college football playoff. And it feels like there's a, a world that we could live in soon where the SEC and Big Ten are trying to pull away and become their own autonomous college football sport. It's basically like a semi-pro league. And I don't know where TC would stand, you know, in the in the pecking order um, if and when that came down. But with all the realignment talk and all the changes across college football, you can't afford to be irrelevant. And TCU's got to find a way to be good again, to be a title contender again, so that, you know, when we're talking about, okay, what does the sport look like in five years? They're still very much a part of the landscape and a part of uh, the future of college football. KTM Idaho said, just hoping Coach Kaz sticks around. Seems like he will. And again, I think, you know, Coach Kazadi, like this is a big year for him too. We praised him so much a couple years back for the transformation of that team, how they avoided injuries, how they're able to stay tough and play well in the second half of ball games. And it was kind of the opposite last year. So we'll have to see, um, you know, what it looks like this upcoming season. Also talked about Josh Hoover and just how much they threw the ball with him late in the year last season. And Matt Clark said, if you throw out Hoover's few snaps against Nichols State in his first half against Iowa State where he didn't play, he led the nation in yards per game. Sonny realizes that he's a gunslinger. The challenges are to get his INTs down and build a running game and defense around him. If they're successful in doing that, you could see some crazy numbers out of him the next couple of years. Um, he mentioned Pat Mahomes-type numbers. Of course, Pat was known for having insane numbers and losses. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the style of offense they ran late in the season last year was very much an air raid system. Um, and so I don't know if they're going to go to that exclusively this upcoming year. But that was what they did late in 2024. And I think part of that was because they didn't really trust themselves to run the ball. You know, I still think balance is best. And if you can run the ball and have an effective defense, which they worked hard to try to do that this upcoming season, you know, they, they reinvested in the offensive line. Um, they went and got a new defense coordinator. I feel like they're, they're attempting to build a team around Josh Hoover that is going to allow him to be successful. And they're attempting to build a team that doesn't require him to do everything himself and be a heroic player, which I think is a great plan because, you know, hopefully Josh improves a lot. But I feel like especially last year, that just wasn't something he had in the bag. He wasn't going to win you games just with his ability alone. So um, we'll see what it looks like when it all comes together. But I feel like they're trying to do, you know, the best thing for him and the team moving forward by having a real and complete team. Um, that can get the job done. That's This has been Locked on Horn Frogs. We'll be back tomorrow. It's your team, and we do it here every day.